Welcome to What The Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit, from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind-the-scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of, what does being fit mean to you? Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Chrissy. I am back here with Madeline Fenny, investigative reporter for City Beat. Hello. We're here to talk about a really kind of crazy, wild, unsolved Mm -hmm. story. The story is called Missing in Plain Sight, the inequity behind Cincinnati's North Fairmont Jane Doe. And Madeline has all the goods. Yeah, and this, I should say, is the cover story, City Beat's latest cover story. It's yeah. for our February 21st print edition. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, I believe it should still be available oh, in yeah, City great. Beat boxes and on, on those newsstands where you normally would find a City Beat. So if you want to look at it in print form, you know, you can. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, we'll link to the story, too. But you're here to, like, give us all all the inside scoop, all the latest inside scoop. And this mm-hmm. and this story we were just talking about before we started recording is really important on multiple levels yes. for us to talk about. One, it's just like a heinous crime mm-hmm. that's been committed where we live, which mm-hmm. is disturbing. And two, though, they're they're still actively looking for information on the case. Yeah. And and what from what I've read, and I'm sure we'll get into it, they are even like in times where they would have, might have been a little bit more tight-lipped about things, they're mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, we're going to put it out because we need help. Yeah. Like we- I think that's what's made the doing the story in, in the way that I did it possible because um, normally if I'm – reaching out to to police to get information on on an ongoing investigation ongoing murder investigation yeah it's tough i mean it's yeah. um you know usually i'm only really given whatever is you know put out there in a press release or set at a press conference and um in in this case i was able to sit down with the head of cincinnati police's uh, criminal investigation section captain steve saunders for I think it was like two hours wow. that we were talking. And I yeah. I mean, that's that's just doesn't happen. It's just unheard of. It just doesn't happen. I mean, and I it's it's not that he gave me any information that was like any like specific facts about the case that like no one else has, but he gave me a, a depth of information and the the kind of the why, like behind the process of things mm-hmm. that made the information that I did have um, make a lot more sense, I think, in, in the context of the story, which was hugely important, I think is an important piece when we're trying to to narrow things down yeah. and identifying who this is yeah but yeah. that that they need they need help and yeah. so when you message me you're like hey I have something to talk about it was like hell yeah let's talk about this yeah and people listening like share this episode like if there's yeah. ever one to share yes this is this is a good one to share I mean this it's like a milk carton type episode yeah. you know what I mean yes. because this is um and I mean I can just go ahead and start to ex- explain start, what Madeline. this let's, what exactly happened here so um for those who who might not be aware um because I mean it's a, it's a pretty fairly big story locally and but still I find people all the time where they had you know no idea that this had I was just talking to my all. trainer about what I was recording tonight and I was mm-hmm. like did you hear about 
about the dismembered woman. He's like, no, where? Yeah, see? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that even getting people to know about this beyond Cincinnati is important because as we'll, we'll kind of learn here, this person could be from anywhere. We just don't know from where. Right. So um, basically, uh, this all starts, um, it was uh, November 5th, 2023, so uh-huh. this most recent November. Yep. Um, it was a, there was a person who was on, in the Cincinnati neighborhood of North Fairmount, which is on the, the west side. Uh, it's not too far from uh, Price Hill sort of okay. area. It's just north. If you're going to think of the west side, it's like it's sandwiched in between uh, north side and Price Hill. Fairmount's yeah. kind of there. Okay. Um, so very close. Oh, yeah. It's like right. <laughs> it's, it's right <laughs> I up can probably the, see it from the window right I'm looking at right road. now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there was off of... Um, off of Beekman on Baltimore um, Avenue, there was a, a gentleman uh, who this person's uh, an unnamed witness who he okay. was walking to church in the morning and was walking down the, sh- the street. That was a street that, you know, probably walks down frequently every All the day. Time. Yeah. Walking down the street and he glanced and saw in a like a wooded area. It's like a um, if I, and I've walked around this area mm-hmm. um, and I um, the best way I can describe it. It appears as if it's a, an old um, like a lot where a house used to be, but is no longer no there. Longer there. Uh, you can see some like remnants of like maybe where some foundation might have been at one point many, many years ago. OK, uh, but nature has taken over. It's just kind of overgrowth weeds a little bit of trash here and there, like, but just a, just a plain What's surrounding it. Are there- There's yeah. The neighborhood itself is, um, a very typical, I'd say like West side sort of neighborhood. It's uh quiet, uh, old houses. Um, some are like, maybe look like they've been abandoned for a while. Others are like totally upkept and, you mm-hmm. know, and current. Um, but, uh, but quiet, quiet yeah. street overall. Um, and the uh, the street across, like across from it, has like a more of like a wooded area. There's there's kind of lots of sparse like wooded or you know areas that are kind of like clearings and yeah. then like hills. Like it's 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 not exactly like super densely populated okay. at okay. all. Okay. Um, and this in this particular lot, he saw what he would explain later to you know investigators or when he called it nine one one is he saw like a dead a dead body. Okay. Um, but. Uh, when investigators arrived, they discovered it was it was a body, but it was only part of a body. It was a torso, a human torso. Just the torso. Just the torso. No, no arms. No arms. The thing is that we'll, we'll kind of get into is that uh, the amount of information that we've been given by investigators and by the coroner, really, um, to the extent of which like the body has been there it's like we we haven't been able to get clear answers on like okay were there shoulders or where it was were there elbows um or like what how far down of on like towards the legs i mean like we don't really have all we were yeah we've really just been told torso was it buried or just no it was just left out there it was just left out we weren't we haven't been able to get them to explain like the positioning but it was uh it was left out like just like dumped like a dump yeah. torso um not like no way and, and this is something that Saunders told me he was comfortable saying there was absolutely no effort to conceal this this torso whatsoever it wasn't like they tried to p- cover her with something uh, to you know to obscure the view yeah. no she was she was kind of just plainly dumped there so uh police arrived you know um investigation kicks off and it was a few days later it was actually election day 
Mm. Um, Cause I was riding around to different polling locations doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, there's this big press conference going on, but in all news, we're all busy. It's election day. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so kind of we're, we're a little bit torn. Uh, we're like, okay, what's this big corner press conference? And I'm listening to it in the car while I'm outside of a, of a polling location. And they're talking about how they found this dismembered woman and that they just have no idea who she is whatsoever. Um, that's something that is pretty rare mm-hmm. um, uh, because usually... Uh, Someone's reporting someone missing. Yeah. Um, or there's just a, a million different reasons why you might be able to identify a body. But um, the many that are used in, that in, in those initial hours uh, were coming up completely dry. And so... Um, we knew at that point we were given some estimations of, of, of what she might look like. We were told that she is um, a black woman. Mm-hmm. We were told that uh, at that point in time, we were told her age was likely late 20s to early 30s. Okay. That she had sustained um, at least one pregnancy at at least one point in time. Okay. And I think that's an, an interesting distinction when they say sustained one pregnancy because... The way that they made it sound is that um, it was clear she had been pregnant and had, in in the coroner's uh, words, likely sustained a birth. So I think it's mostly just to leave room for any other possibility of like, okay, well, this person was pregnant for a while, but then uh, some complication happened and the pregnancy never went to term or something like that. Um, Or, you know, like they said, likely had a a baby. So this person... um, was pregnant at one point in time and likely within the past like three to five years or so maybe, uh, which I think is also kind of just, like, amazing that they're able to even make that determination. It's from amazing. And body. I'm listening to like, we were just talking about, we don't know where the torso kind of cut off was. So yeah. to speak, it, it sounds like though it has to be like pretty yeah for them to be able to like you have just I would think they would need to look at her uterus to yes. determine that her like in her pelvic area yeah I mean it's I I mean I, I your body changes when you uh, yeah. have a baby big time and so oh, yeah it's, that's right that's right there could just been other things yeah that are indicative of having been pregnant yeah like organ place movement something yeah possibly and so they they knew, also knew at that point in time her height and weight was estimated that she was a pretty petite person about like a bit a bit over five feet I think that their range was like five foot to five foot two in that range Uh and that her weight was likely like between 100 120 pounds likely like that 115 sweet spot yeah so a petite person um at that point in time that was pretty much all of the information that we had sort of to go on and they were hoping at that point in time you know once we open this up uh because it was so fresh after her uh-huh. torso had been discovered that they were like well you know they they were really depending on people to check in yes on loved ones yes that yes. sound like they might fit this description sure. to just make sure like hey are you okay you good like are you yeah. here yeah. like what's going on yeah yeah um mark yourself safe yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and um they they did not like they, you know and they'd said that they had received tips um you know in in the, the days and weeks after that but I mean, nothing that actually like bore out to an identity. Um, so time, some time went on and, uh, actually in that time, even I myself was, uh, given a tip by a a reader of saying, Hey, I think it might be this one person, the person, because of the nature of, of, of their career was not able to themselves kind of be involved in like that 
um, I'm, I have to be so careful with everything yeah, I yeah. say because it, but they, they themselves were not able to, uh, kind of get involved. And so then I kind of ended up becoming the go between, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, to try to, to see if it was this person and ended up not being this person, which yeah. was, you know, thankful, you know, for that person, but for still left a lot yeah. of questions. Yeah. And then it was, I think, the day that I found that we eventually figured out that the um, the tip was not the person that we thought it was. There was mm-hmm. a new press conference um, that was talking about some new additional information because two months after the torso was found. So we're thinking, it's like... January. Yes. It yes. Was, this actually was, I believe, January 3rd. Okay. Yes, it was January 3rd, so almost two months exactly to the date. Uh, during in uh, Cincinnati, the FBI evidence response team, uh, there they did a sweep of the area as well. Because in that time, since the torso was found, uh, they they did bring out canines. They brought out, uh, you know, they, they, they had kind of established the search perimeter yeah. of to do what's known as trace evidence search. And that's when you're doing the kind of what you imagine an F, like a like an investigation looks like the, you know, we're like looking for blood splatter. We're looking sure. for D- any um, kind of DNA. We're looking for a fingernail. We're looking yeah. for anything like specific, like on the ground or in the area that kind of shows like, you know, what happened here. Uh, so that search radius was expanded, like the, the you know, the, mm-hmm. the blocks distance in that mm-hmm. area that they were looking got expanded once the uh, FBI started looking on January 3rd. And in that search is when they found um, a human head. During so once they expanded it. So like when they, they did their initial it. search after yes. they found the torso, they did they, well, they're not letting, they, we don't know if they found anything else, but nothing was mm-hmm. reported that they found. Yes. And then so they expanded it and found a head. They found the head. And I, that, how, do you know how far away from the body? So that's what drew a lot of criticism initially, because when they found the head, it was announced that they'd found the head um, about, and it was, it's, it, they won't tell us the exact location of the head. They said it was about two blocks away. From where the torso was found. That sounds like not that far away. It, right. Well, and if you look at the area, two okay. blocks could, in one direction or another could mean, like, uh, it could mean uh, what in an t- other neighborhood would be, like, six blocks maybe. Okay. It, it, the area is a bit more spread out, but even still, um, two months later, two blocks away, wasn't exactly a good look. Mm. And uh, when they... When we asked during that press conference, you know, why, why did it take that long? The, a lot of our readers in, in the comments didn't like the answer so much either, saying uh, where they said that it was a combination of weather and holiday schedules from those who would be an, a part of that search process. Mm-hmm. So, That's exactly what, you know, people want to hear about It's when it comes to, like, looking for someone. Yeah, I'm not that, exactly, I mean, I think that's another thing that's hard is that um, I I think a lot of people, and myself included, I constantly am like fighting the urge to just assume that the, you know, investigation processes are exactly as they seem on Law and Order or CSI. Well, the thing <laughs> that we have to remember is that like, these are just, these are all like human beings mm-hmm. showing up to like do a job that they like go to every single day. Like think about how you show up to your job every day. Do you show up as an A plus worker every single day well and also check you, like, you make mistakes things go on you're you're having an off day you got to get out early to get the kid you, you, you and you we know, also like, have a department that's 
we know is like critically underfunded as they are constantly okay, that too, complaining then. Yeah, about. So, yeah. I mean, we are, we are dealing with a, de- I mean, a department that has a, a manpower issue like that, like almost all police departments across the country have right now. Um, and so the, you know, the getting the FBI involved, I think was, so the FBI a, like comes in. Mm-hmm, okay. So mm-hmm. like, obviously the only experience I have on this is like watching TV shows and like most recently true sure. detective, right? There's like the local precisely people that like have the case to begin with. Then it, as things come up, they're like, okay, this now needs to like, it's go. going to Anchorage. Or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. In, like the last season. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yes. So it's uh, like that FBI okay. gets involved. They find the head. Um, and the FBI finds the head. The FBI finds the head. And so the, you know, problem with it being two months later, there's, you know, decomposition. Whereas with the the torso, the, it was, they believe, um, actually, I'll pull that part up right now. They do believe um, that the torso had not been there very long. Just like a couple days, right? It, I mean, it could have been, so the, here's the thing. It could have been even less because uh, Saunders, uh, the, the head of the criminal investigation section, told me that there was a the witness who had found and called on the torso that Sunday morning had been on a walk that night before. The night before. Yeah, and looked in that direction and thought that he had seen something, but it was dark and he wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, the coroner actually said that it was... um, because it was right after Halloween that he, there was a chance that he thought it was like a decoration, a, or a leftover Halloween decoration or like a prank or some sure. kind of like yeah. thing like that. Yeah. Um, and so the, with the fact that there was a likely sighting of the torso the night before um, there and their estimated cause of death being like about, I think they said it was 40, I want to say 45 hours and roughly the 45 hour range before that Sunday morning before they found it. Mm-hmm. So it was, so just like, like but a to days. be honest, like with how easily the torso was spotted that Sunday morning, the idea that maybe no one would have seen it during the daylight time on that Saturday before mm-hmm. feels at least to me and it's all speculation somewhat unlikely. Mm-hmm. So I would say given their estimated, her estimated time of death and the, the fact that she was even able to be spotted in the dark, even if yeah. he wasn't sure the night before, yeah. that, I mean, if I had to be a betting yeah. person to make a guess, I would say she was probably dumped in sometime in the dark the night before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even remember. And that would have been like shortly after she was killed. Yes. That's the yes. thing is that they believe her, t- her like time of death was, was soon before okay. she was actually um, placed there. Okay. We were talking about the FBI finding mm-hmm. the head. Mm-hmm. And so we- when they found her head, um, it, it did expand. It did open up new possibilities, and 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 we, I mean, they thought they were going to have more answers, and in a right, way, because th- I think like, oh, do you have dental records? You, you have, have a face, you yeah. know. Even if you your that face is decomposed for no, two months, no, they like reconstructed Cleopatra's face after I mean, like you can digging out of a mummy tomb. You've I think. got more than what you had before, yeah, yeah. And in a way, it it has opened up possibilities of things that we haven't seen yet. For instance, they are like we said, the face. They are going to be working on a um, facial like a digital image. Rec- mm. Like they did CT scans yeah. of her head to try yeah. and build a new digital image of wow. what her head and face would look like. Wow. Um, they said, and I think this was in, uh, this was in January during a January 11th press conference. They said that they were going to hopefully have that in coming like weeks, that image. They still don't have it um, as of recording time now, mm-hmm. but I'm following up all the time because I'm just dying to see that photo. Yeah. Um, and they also, you know, have, they do have dental, but the problem is now, you know, talking to Saunders about this um, is that 
uh, you know, they just because you have dental doesn't it doesn't mean anything unless you have something to compare it to. Oh, so I thought that was just kind of like the golden ticket. You know, like we got teeth, we got something. Well, it's I think for I think that maybe at one point in time I thought like when I'm getting my when I'm going to the dentist I'm like submitting to some database where like if I'm I felt like that's why I'm like you know, all like the that's what the that's what all that those impression bites are for. It's yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, it's not. It's um you would have to have a um like a lead of someone to compare with and okay. then you go to those you get those records you subpoena for them, i guess whatever that it might makes be. sense obviously there's not like okay we have a tooth we can figure right <laughs> right um sense. so <laughs> i uh and, and just learning about different databases and the extent to which we are all in databases was a big part of the story because i mean the, the first question once the first when her torso was found in general was were people saying well what about the dna do you run the dna and um but again if you don't have they're if like she's not in a, a felony, system if you right you yes. have to be a charged with a felony right yes so you would have to have been in the criminal uh system at one point with a felony mm-hmm. if you are if your dna is going to be picked up um also the there is a new there is a new like trend we know with ancestry uh submitting to 23andme ancestry.com all those all of those different services um and those are you are able investigators are able to reference those databases but only if um the person was like elected like Mm -hmm. opts into doing it and that isn't obviously everyone who does it and also those who who participate in and dna ancestry uh services are overwhelmingly not black right they're white mostly they're They're of european descent in fact there's um like a bigger push from I think it was I have it in the story I don't remember the name of the university um, but there it's a university in Tennessee it's in Nashville I think that is um, pushing for more uh, like and like and I don't think it necessarily like within like ancestry.com or anything specifically yeah. but for there to be more of like a DNA database to uh, like to to build more of like that genetic research mm-hmm. understanding for. Mm-hmm. For people who are non-European descent, yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. So the 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 DNA you know folder is a lot smaller than we all thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the head though, um, when they discovered her head, her well, it does give us new opportunities of like you know we can re- digitally reconstruct her face if we eventually do have someone's dental to compare to. We can uh, with her age, it actually changed like it widened the range that they oh. believed, which is interesting because you would think it would maybe make it more narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that she could be now anywhere from late twenties to almost early fifties, like in a, a pretty wide range though. The, uh, the coroner said that she still believes she's on that younger side. Mm. So likely like thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said there, there's like internal debate at the coroner's office right now about her age. Like they're just not in agreement on like how old they think she is, which I think is, Gosh, is fascinating. I just want to know what they're like, how it is that they're like what they're looking at, what they're determining. I know. I know. Like, can they do the, like take a, like a brain scan? I mean, the, or is I think, it too decay? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I I did try to figure out. A, I I was just begging. I know, for, right? Begging. <laughs> yes. I was begging for so many of these answers. Uh, but the coroner's office, they were a lot more tight lipped than yeah. the than the police were going to be, unfortunately. But one of the other updated pieces of information that we got um, during that January 11th press conference is that the her body was described more to us in a way that was not just height and weight, but was also like build. Mm. Um, and they were describing her as a very, f- 
healthy, physically fit person. Athletic, right? Athletic build, yeah. specifically like an athletic build, someone yeah. who like works out. Yeah. I, I remember in the story, which obviously like really stuck out to me, it was like, this was someone who was taking care of themselves. Yeah. Which, like very healthy person. And, and that's, mm. um, and I think the reason why that was striking is because typically it's not, it's, I don't, I don't believe it's like the overwhelming majority, but it's common when you do find human remains, um, and they are like, uh, you know, discovered after any period of time and it becomes a story. I mean, this happened, like, I think it was like a week ago, um, with a, a body in a, in a different area of town where it's usually someone who was there who, um, was using drugs and yeah. overdosed yeah, yeah, and yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, or, or yeah, they're, they're, leading a lifestyle that lends them to yeah. get in kind of precarious situations. And they're, yeah, they're in a situation that is not going to give them the, the opportunity to yes. be in a healthy state. Yes. Um, and that is something that I think was surprising to the coroner was surprising to Saunders. Um, it's, it's, I think something that it, it just kind of further, gave a another layer of confusion of okay well who who is yeah. this like and also how do they know that like I know well yeah. but I think but it was they, again because her body was found so soon after she yeah. was like placed there mm-hmm. and in terms of of, of in, investigations like this and soon after she had died like yeah 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 that that's something helpful. where yeah it was I can only imagine I can only imagine what how different the investigation would be if her head would have been found in that same week yeah. rather than two months later I, I mean we don't know yeah but um we do we do know that uh the, the things that haven't changed our height our weight um we know that athletic build we know um uh, you know one of the things that was tough is i I spoke with a uh a local a local leader in like the black media community. She's the voice of black Cincinnati founder. She runs an amazing uh, website and newsletter and Facebook page. You absolutely have to check her out. Mm-hmm. It's voice of black Cincinnati on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all these other mm-hmm. uh, sites. She's fantastic. Uh, but uh, Crystal was telling me that, um, you know, the thing that struck her right off the bat is that she's like, we just need more information because like, just because you're saying she's black, that does not exactly narrow it down. Like within the exactly. black community, we are a very like wide range of shades of people. Yes, yes. And um, that is helpful information for us to know. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I'm hoping we're going to get more clarity on going forward. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that is... Uh, I, it, my interview with her was make me, making me like really want to go more into these directions of, okay, like how... like. I just, I find it so striking that someone is, uh, has been in a a somewhat highly publicized murder investigation, killed in a brutal way, someone who had uh, been apparently leading uh, a typical, if not more healthy lifestyle, uh, which I would say probably indicates uh, other healthy components of a life, meaning uh, familial and friendship connections, things like that, that would, you know, mean that there's people who and potentially, like, are looking for mother, you or knowing about right, you. Exactly. The fact that she potentially yeah. has a, a child. Yeah. Um, how is it that we just don't know who this person is? And so I ended up speaking with, um, I doing more research. I mean, it was, I already had known about this, but not the extent to which, you know, the, that black women go missing and are not found like that rate is so much worse off yes. than the rest of the population. 
So I spoke with the founder of, one of the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation, Derricka Wilson. Um, she was kind of walking me through, uh, you know, the, the varying reasons why black women not only like will go missing, but also are likely, less likely to be like found because yeah. they're less likely for people to be looking for them. Yeah. Uh, and she was talking about in, in how in one of the most common things that they see with especially black missing youth um, is that they're, they're classified as, as runaways mm. um, and that runaways. Th I mean, in my experience working in, in broadcast, I know that most runaways are not ever even like talked about on news because well, for one, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who are classified as runaways and yeah. there's also a lot of different reason why people run away from certain situations. You know what I mean? Um, but also, uh, when someone's classified as a runaway, they're not exactly uh, like uh, people. They, they, there's not as, as much of a concerted effort to find them as sure. if someone's listed as abduction. Sure. You also you don't qualify for an Amber Alert if you're classified as a runaway. There's How no do they, who classifies them as runaway though. It's, like what's the who I, makes I, that distinction? I know that's a very good question. I believe it's that's the thing is that if when when police are asking, well, when's the last time you saw them, and if the last time you saw them was them you know, I don't know, like running out the Saying front door I'm leaving, or I'm, I'm leaving, yeah. I'm going with this guy. But that's another thing is that just because someone is, le is quote unquote running away also does not mean that they that are not being coerced yeah. or whatever Manipulated, that they're in a safe right. Um, going and, of their own free will. Right. And that's, that's something that uh, domestic violence kind of became a big part of this story too, because uh, the the likelihood that someone is going to be involved in a, in a domestic violence situation gets a lot trickier when you're looking at black women because, mm -hmm. um, well, for instance, one of the um, uh, people I spoke with for the story, she's a fantastic uh, researcher out of uh, Johns Hopkins University. She studies, uh, like, she's just, like, one of the foremost of studying domestic violence and as it relates to black women and as it creeps into criminology. Um, because I really wanted to get a sense from her, like, you know, if we have this woman who was dismembered and is been kind of completely forgotten is not no one is is seemingly looking for her because we don't have any like real strong leads on on who she is. I mean, police have, have told me they're like, look, we've had like a f maybe a few dozen like tips on this. Um, and I, I would say, to be honest with you, a few dozen is not a ton for mm -hmm. a, a highly publicized and like very striking kind of crime like yeah. this yeah. and a tip normal and a tip can qualify for more than just like, Hey, I think it's this person. It's like, Hey, why don't you look into this? Or, Hey, why don't you look into that? It's really, you know, they're, they're, I mean, at this point in time, they're, they're not even anywhere close to being able to try to investigate who did this or what mm -hmm. happened. They have to start at point a, which is who is she? And that's, that's, you know, they're not even there yet. So I'm like, I'm asking her like, how does it, how do we get to this point? How does a person, yeah. um, you know, end up in this situation. And, you know, she, she talked about how she was studying, um, and her name is, uh, Tiara Wiley. And she was, she studied at Johns Hopkins, the, uh, increase during the pandemic of domestic violence. That was a yes. big, that was yes. a big thing. The CDC had done a study on yes. that as well. Yes. She looked, and that was across the board. Yes. Right, yeah. It was right. across the board. Yeah. She looked into the, uh, the prevalence of black women who were being, uh, who are victims of specifically coercive control domestic violence, which is the 
the experience of of uh, of it's I'm really boiling it down, but as being kind of like isolated from others, yeah. right? Like you're, it's not it's the your actions, your inactions, your relationships, everything around you is being very tightly monitored, mm-hmm. controlled, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she said that 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 went up. I think it was she said it was like eighty percent of all wow. of the of the the domestic violence cases that they were following and the the people that they were interviewing in this study, um, 80% were experiencing coercive control, which she said was a lot easier to do during the pandemic. Right. Cause you're isolated because you're isolated already. Yeah. Um, and see people, yeah. it's, it was something that kind of almost gave those who are, are abusers in relationships, a new tool or new reason to kind of keep people away. Mm. So the, um, the, the the I and I, I hesitate to speculate because the, what's so hard is that like with such little information on a case and this is you know and I, I kept pushing for Saunders not necessarily to speculate but I'm kind of like tell me what you think man like yeah, yeah, yeah. when you Can look at this like what what do you feel in your gut yeah and he's like that's the thing is like I can't I can't really like go into my my gut like that because um, I. I might miss something else. If I start to look too hard in one direction of, oh, I definitely think that this is a transient person or someone who was in sex trafficking and that's why no one knows them locally and so we have to look elsewhere. I'm not going to do that. I'm not giving up on the fact that this might be a local person. Yeah, that um, makes sense, I guess. And, you know, and vice versa. And so, uh, in, but in Miss uh, Wiley's professional opinion, she was saying like, you know, I'm not the detective, so I guess I can speculate here, but this, she said, this strikes me as someone who was in severe isolation from a partner because she said also, and through her research, she knows that like dismembered women, it's an, it's most like it's intimate partner violence. That's an intimate partner violence. God, that's so fucked. Type of, of end result when you're, when you're looking at homicide, um, that's so we have so dismemberment. Fucked. We have the fact that no one knows who she is. We have, you know, we have the fact that she was dismembered. We have the fact that nobody knew where she was or, or you know, nobody's reaching out looking for her for months on end. She said that she believes it was someone who was killed by a romantic partner who had been isolated from their friends and family and their friends and family don't even know that she's mm. in need of looking for, mm. uh, which is so sad and so scary. And when I, I, I brought this idea up to Saunders who uh, he you know, he kind of basically told me the same thing of like, I'm not saying that that's not a possibility. He said, it's probably likely a possibility. We, we, but based on the data, like if we were just looking at data and research, higher probability. But, um, but you know, we can't, of course anything could happen. Yeah. He's like, I'm not willing to make that jump yet, but it's, it's possible. So at this point, you know, I, I'm like asking and I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, like, the missing per like th- this is clearly like some sort of missing person if she's not entered in that and also when it comes to the missing person databases uh there's not exactly like a, a total regulation of if you report like like the 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 i can't remember actually off the top of my head what it's called but the the national missing person namus it's mm, called namus yeah. national missing person database it's basically like operated by the fbi um that what when I was speaking to Derek Wilson from the Black and Missing Foundation, she was like, there needs to be more streamlined processes for people being added to the, the missing persons national, you know, database because, you know, it's, she said, and sometimes it's, and I'm sure this always varies too based on police department where you're reporting this, mm-hmm. but it's basically up to the discretion of the person if they want to add it, you know? And so wow. the, um, 
the uh, what's hard is that you know there's when I was speaking with the the black and missing founders, you know, she's saying that the, this could be a person who people are looking for, but this isn't a missing person even on a technical like classified level yeah. just yet. Yeah. So I asked Saunders like, okay, so when you're dealing with missing persons, because she is a missing person yeah. still, whether or not yeah. she's in a in a system as such, or whether or not. Uh, someone's even looking for her. This we don't know who this is. This is a missing person. Yeah. How do you how do you go about? Because that's probably the top comment that we get on stories about this Jane Doe, which is as she's been dubbed, is that they're saying are she are they checking for missing persons in Cleveland, missing persons in Toledo, missing persons in you know uh, anywhere because this Indianapolis, could, okay, even it, Florida because this is like off I seventy five where yeah. like she was found. It's like it's it's pretty close off seventy five right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, flo- it that is. goes all the way down straight down the the country literally be anywhere it could literally be anywhere so um the you know he said that that it's a it's like a two-way flow system when they're checking for missing persons they're one of course they're looking at their local missing persons uh you know list they're looking at um they're looking at name is for like national they're also they have They'll have, he said, like, you know, like, as for instance, I don't know if it was, it's not necessarily like Toledo, but like, I think he might have said Toledo, but it was a, another city that was like, hey, we have someone who's missing. We heard about your case. Do you think it's this person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like a two way like flow t- yeah. of, cr- of cross checking. Um, but that in a lot of cases, it's someone that will come and say, hey, I have this missing person. Here's an article of clothing or something that, you know, like makeup or something that they've touched that has their DNA. They can cross reference it either, you know, identify them, rule them out, and move on. And so far, they have not been but able to. But not even that. So it's like really this, this standout thing to me here is that like they're just not reporting missing black women. That, yeah, that that is something that is, uh, you know, Saunders admitted that he's like, yeah, there's a lot of mistrust like yeah. within the, the, between like the black community and police for, well, lots of reasons. Sure. But one of them also being that, you know, this, perception that they're not being taken as seriously and and yeah. De- and Derica from Black and Missing was saying well it's we have you know numbers that show that we're not being taken as seriously we have we know this to be the case we can um, name how many white like mm-hmm. media coverage for white women that have gone missing or that have been killed yeah you could I can name you like five names right now absolutely I, I mean, don't know if I can name media strong media coverage for a missing or black dead woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, that was actually how Black and Missing Foundation got started. Was the the founder one of the other founders? It was her, I believe, niece that was. Uh, she was missing. It was uh, her. It was through intimate partner violence. She was saying like, "Hey, like," uh, she actually had um, like ties to local like media. She was like a, a media professional, and she couldn't get like news stations to cover her disappearance at all. Um, she could not get like anyone to take it seriously. And it was um, it's really wild. If you think about it, it's and, really wild. Yeah. And she ended up, you know, uh, showing up, you know, dead a few days later or whatever. It was her, her romantic partner that had killed her. And this also was, mind you, at the same time when this happened, this was um, the same time as Natalie Holloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this was, this was during a time of that, like, really big like court tv missing oh, I mean, blonde woman the, found Gabby dead petito what, absolutely we, Gabby we, petito. we li- petito we listened to that case for months mm-hmm. every podcast mm-hmm. that i like pop culture podcast that i was listening to yeah. was covering that this case i mean it's and obviously we know systemic racism 100 yeah. percent. and i think also that when we see 
what makes people, I think, captivated by true crime is that they can see themselves in a situation or they they, they fear, you know, the, the idea of seeing themselves in the situation of a victim. Yeah. And so I think that people... I think that that whole like world and that whole like media like communication it's it's geared towards it's kind of geared towards white women and it's about white women for white women. I know it's really when bizarre. really it's n- that's not representative of of the amount of people who are are missing. missing. Yeah, yeah. Unsolved mysteries. No, it's really it is really bizarre, and, and I'm sure that these numbers exist somewhere. We could easily look them up. Of like the like the breakdown of true crime as a genre like who's listening who's paying attention to that it's oh. all it, it's oh yeah absolutely I don't, I don't think that black community is listening to true crime well and, and the thing that's crazy is that if uh i when i was speaking with derica she had said i can actually pull up the quote she said yeah she said on the stats of missing people by race so nearly 40 percent of missing persons in the u.s are are persons of color but only African Americans only make up 13% of the US population, right? So that's a it's a huge outsized, mm-hmm. you know, difference the there. The ratio is off. Yeah. Right. Um and I mean and 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 that also is the the when it says the that 40% of missing persons of color like are are minority, the, the category as it's as it's classified, the the white category also includes Hispanic Hispanic the Hispanic population. So minority in this case it's it's mostly defined by the black population mm-hmm. in these numbers and um and when i was speaking with derica she was saying that you know she's she's like there we know that that number is higher because less black people are actually going into this to the NamUs system of being missing and also uh you know she's saying that as part of what the Black and F- Missing Foundation does, they themselves publicize missing Black people. They pu- they have like a very popular Twitter and Instagram where people are in Facebook, where they are just sharing constantly. They they look like just like digital flyers yeah. of like, hey, this person's missing. Have you seen them? Yeah. You know their description, last known location, whatever. And that in a lot of cases, you know, these are people coming to them. Uh, saying like, hey, like the police were not paying attention. I they won't, you know, take this because she might be a runaway or you know this or that or whatever. Will you do it? Um, and they, she said, you know, they have. I don't think she gave me a number of like their actual uh, like success rate with finding people, but it's it's. I mean, they they do and they have been for years now. They've been f- locating people. Uh, they've had people that will find people and give tips to find people to them and they won't they, they aren't won't even going to cops. they yeah. won't they aren't going to the cops they're just going to the black and missing foundation because of of also that mistrust of fear that an anonymous tip isn't quite anonymous yeah and i are mean they I, liaisoning like liaisoning with the police or are they like doing their own thing they're pretty much doing their own thing okay they're like a rogue like yeah i mean like she also derica wilson she is former law enforcement she this is her background this is her backbone this is her every like she she like knows what's up but she um you know she she basically you know told me like the, the thing is is that she said jurisdictions kind of like to uh like hold on to their own cases and not exactly like work outside of their lines. Well, we know that and we watch I, True Detective. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I spoke with Saunders about that, and I said, "So, like, when you're working with others, like, what does that look like?" And he, I mean, he did say that in a case like this, it's it's a very multi-layered, uh, you know, approach because they have to work with like the Ohio Crime Lab. It's because really, the mo- lot so much of this case and investigating it isn't even so much the 
detectives that are out there who are researching and door knocking and trying to figure it out. It's the coroners, it's the lab, it's like the people studying her body right. who are trying to to do this. Right, and that, that's that, like where it is right now. Like that's where the attention is right now. And that's yeah. that is something that's like heavily involved with the Ohio uh, Crime Lab, the BCI. Um, that that's something that they're working with them on. And so in the meantime, they are, they did, he did tell me that they are cross-referencing a similar case in Louisiana where it was another body that was found in a similar way, like mm-hmm. the, that there's some similarities to the case. Mm-hmm. They're, they're working to see if it, there's any similarity. It's not that they believe, he said that they don't believe that there's body parts from our Jane Doe that are in Louisiana, but just that, you know, hey, like there's something really similar. We need to see if there's any corresponding DNA that yeah. might be link us to a, a, a yeah. person of interest. I mean, we've, we've just been talking a lot, right, about how it's it's so surprising, but it's also not surprising mm-hmm. that the, there are just so many more threats facing black women than white women when it comes to just helping them get found, helping these mysteries solved. The one thing I thought that was so interesting that I read was I was, I'm not sure who you were talking to and what in, in which piece, but someone was saying they need a person of color on this case. Yeah. Be, again, to like help with the language of like, how do we describe the skin tone? How do we describe the hair? You know, mm-hmm. like, and I was like, yeah. Like, we're really talking about, if I had to make an assumption, like, probably mostly white men mm-hmm. that are... Do- and, like, where's the representation of trying to get answers and knowledge about yeah. this this black woman? And, like, the, you know what I mean? Like, And I think that there's... Um- from what I can tell, the the fear of being like almost too specific, I think from the coroner's office is this fear of this idea, just like how uh, Saunders doesn't want to get too specific in his theories, is that he they want to keep it as open and broad as possible yeah, and make sure they're not alienating. Like if like let's say like they were to say okay the the her body uh, she her skin tone is is very light she may be mixed race right yeah um, that if say for instance she has a light skin tone but she's not mixed race if that makes sense like yes, she yeah. uh like that they don't want someone thinking okay well then i don't want i'm not going to look into it to see if it's this person because, because they said I, she's yeah. she's mixed race and i know that this person has you know two yes. black parents like yes. that's i i i, I yeah. think what's but at the same time it's it's hard because i think when you do have more information you do get more attention whenever this happens like if they were if they were to come out tomorrow with like a press conference and say we have more information but that more information were to be just simple details of 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 I don't even know like there's a specific freckle in this one mm-hmm. spot there's a we're gonna say that her skin tone is exactly about you know mm-hmm. this shade or whatever it might be the press I know would eat it up and it would get more of that media attention yeah and they want more media attention because they they need it in order to spread this story as wide as possible so that way it could alert someone to thinking oh oh shit I haven't seen this one person in since the fall. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe I should look into that. Um, but there's just the media cycle doesn't exactly, you know, just revive and resuscitate stories that are still unsolved without any new information without to new information. do it. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I was actually really like excited to do this story because with a cover, I'm able to be like, you know what we're just actually going to do is we don't technically have new information, but we're going to meditate on the information that we have. Well, and you brought in so many different angles too. I feel, you know, like, mm-hmm. t- like just really getting down into 
specifics around like why, how this could happen. Cause I think that, that like, that's a yeah. common question, right. Of like, what, like, I don't know. I always have this in my head too. Like no one can commit like a murder anymore and get away with it. Right. right. Like in this day and age, there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's forensics mm-hmm. there, you know, like you, you just can't, it's just like impossible. And no. then here's the, here's this case. You're like, how could this happen? You're like, well, actually, I can exactly tell you how with research and data. Yeah. And I mean, like, this the, threat to black women is like not is not new. One of the things I thought was interesting was uh, when I was speaking with, uh, I think it was with when I was speaking with Derek, how she was saying that, you know, it's as just a reminder. Cause th- so I feel like when I, especially on Facebook, when I'm looking at people talking about sex trafficking on Facebook or whatever, a lot of the conversation is again, surrounding like fear from white women that they're, they or their children or someone like snatched up in a target parking lot. Yeah. And that is not in any way, shape or form, the reality of, of those who are actually in sex trafficking. Um, and when I was speaking with Derek, she said that there was, there was recently a study conducted, conducted by the Urban Institute that showed that uh, there was, you know, that not only are, is, are more black women in sex trafficking, but they're specifically targeted for sex trafficking, uh, that there were, uh, uh, oh my gosh, perpetrators, sorry, mm-hmm. perpetrators who were saying in this study, that, you know, admitting, because they were already behind bars, they're like, all right, you know, yes, I'll tell you exactly what it is that we look for. And that perpetrators in this study were, were overwhelmingly saying that they targeted black women because they said that law enforcement were less likely to look for them. And that they would get less jail time, they mm-hmm. thought, if they targeted a black woman versus if they targeted a white mm-hmm. woman. You know, that's, you know, something that, that's just, that was the perception of the traffickers and they could, they're probably right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, I think that bringing in the voices, like from the voice of Black Cincinnati, from uh, Johns Hopkins, from Black and Missing, to just kind of their initial impressions on this case and what their life experience and their research uh, says, you know, about how how someone ends up. I, I hate saying in this situation, a situation sounds like it's, you know, somehow yeah, a decision like was a, made by this person that yeah. led her to this right. to this place, which is no, erratic, it's a tragedy. And completely yeah. and com- totally false. Yeah. But um, how how the life circumstances of black women are way more likely to put them on Baltimore Avenue in that mm-hmm. way than me or mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And that's yeah. just, that's just the plain that, that's fact the reality. Yeah. That's yeah. completely the reality. So I'm hoping that, uh, there's going to be a development at some point to, cause I mean the, the longer I, I think it's probably safe to say the longer we get away from the date of her being found and the more time we spend not knowing who she is, the less likely it's going to be that we're going to find who did it to her. <sighs> I'm not, I'm not someone who works in investigations like this, I don't know, but also maybe it won't be. Maybe we'll find out, you know, find her identity and it will be intimate partner violence and that will be an easy thing to trace back because yeah. intimate partners are usually a bit more well-documented. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know this is just another, you know, kind of plea, I guess, for mm-hmm. to share. Like, share the story, share the episode. You, you know, we were just talking about before. Yeah. We were starting, you never know. Who could hear it? Who could know something? Who could jog something? I mean, and that's the thing. I think that and it's like th- they, need, they need all the help they can get. Yeah, and the, I th- the investigators they've said that uh, uh, Cincinnati Police Chief Teresa Theji said at, at one point, um, and I thought she said it well. That she said, if you think that whatever tip you're going to give us is insignificant or not important enough or too small mm-hmm. or whatever it might be, it 
doesn't matter if you think that you need to let us decide if it's too small, if mm-hmm. it's not important or if it, you know, yeah. whatever that it's in it. Cause it's probably not. Yeah. It is it, like, even if it's you thinking I, you know, I ha- I have a, a friend of a friend who saw someone at this one time at this one place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Just, it's better just to share that than to not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also just like, I think it's also one of those reminders that it's like on a day to day basis of just like, check in on your people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like if there's someone, not to say that we, you should assume that everyone who you haven't spoken to in like six months is, is in trouble, but it's like, it's another reason reminder as to why we maintain community and and everything. And this is literally in our back. This is in our community. It is in our community. And if you have someone you haven't spoken to in a long time, like, I don't know, like there's if, or if there's someone who seems like they're trying to distance themselves from you and you don't know why it's, uh, the the my conversation with uh, Tierra Wiley about the coercive control in in domestic violence relationships and how how uh, much of a problem that is becoming, I think to me is like okay, it's given me a fresh sense of mm. of awareness of okay, I need to make sure that because I think it's easy also in adulthood for people to just start to like talk to go out less talk to friends less see people less and that there is a level of that that is normal there is also a level of that that is not normal Mm -hmm. and that is not okay and Mm -hmm. that is a is a red flag for a reason Mm -hmm. um and so just stay vigilant yeah how was it for you like writing the story like what was the experience for you this is heavy stuff yeah I think the the part that was truly heavy and hard for me was um I was walking around the neighborhood and I was just knocking on doors and trying to, cause really, I mean, I was trying to find the person who found her. Yeah. Um, cause I know that they live in that neighborhood. Um, and I was just going to ask them to talk to me, you yeah. know, and if they didn't want to totally fine. But yeah. I, of everyone I, I knocked on, on their door and I, I can't tell you how many doors I knocked on. Mm. Truly don't know. Um, no one said that they were that person. Um, but I did speak with people who, you know, were just, like blown away by the fact that mm-hmm. this was even happening on their street. Yeah. Um, the one person I spoke to, Jamie, uh, he's in, quoted in the story. He had just moved to that street like three months before it happened mm. uh, from Chicago. And he himself has had like a very storied past mm-hmm. where he said, you know, listen, like I've seen, I've seen some shit. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, you know, I've been in the thick of it before. Mm-hmm. Never have I ever seen anything like this. Yeah. This is wild. I can't believe this happened. Like, on my street. Um, and I think that feeling everyone's kind of sadness and anxiety and disbelief Mm -hmm. and then standing in the space where she was found, Mm -hmm. I think was, was very, um, was very, it was, it was, it's very sad, but it also made me a lot more motivated to like speak to as many people as I could specifically from the black community. So I can get a sense of how something like this reverberates, culturally Mm -hmm. like it's got to be really fucking hard to see um like if you like as a like if you are are a black woman and seeing like a black woman dismembered and also it not get the media attention like a bit like let's be honest if this were if this were a white woman with blonde hair that was found this would be this would be this would be a cnn thing this would be a court tv thing this would be everyone would be talking about it this would be a a, there would be like sorry i'm fixing my headphones this would be like a a a much bigger thing so i think that it's 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 definitely important to like it's just a light shining on a much bigger issue like like we we get these opportunities and it's like something that we we know we're aware of and then it's like 
for whatever reason, it's like, let me take a flashlight in the corner right now. Mm-hmm. Like, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel and like that's what you're doing. You're just really taking a flashlight to the corner. I just think, yeah, I, I thank you. I, I just, I, I hope that this is going to be, um, a story that we'll have resolved yeah. soon or have some sort yeah. of update. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this, re- this 3d rendering of, of her yeah. face. I think that's going to be a big turning point. Yeah. I do. Because I think that that, if that is as detailed as they're, you know, hoping it's going to be, that's what's going to trigger someone to be like, oh, my God, that looks like so-and-so. Yes. I need to check in on them. I've seen this person. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, Once he, you get a picture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That'll be good. Exactly. You have to keep us updated. I will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Yeah. Thank I you I always love me. to have you on. I appreciate it. The I listeners love it. Aww. They love to hear from you. You do such good work, Madeline. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Chrissy Gurley, K-R-I-S-S-Y-G-I-R-L-I-E and at What The Fit Podcast. If you're loving What The Fit, please help spread the word. Send it to a friend, share it to your story. And if you are looking for even more exclusive content, become a Patreon member. You can find it at patreon.com slash whatthefitpodcast. Love ya.